Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Keep It Real Recap. Uh, I had the privilege this week of having a wonderful conversation with Tess Cacciatore. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Awesome! Talk about my mission of my podcast, Inspiring and Creating Joy. This woman has it in spades. I could have spoken to her forever and ever. I can't wait for you to hear this week's podcast. I know you're going to want to share it, like it, rate it, all those things and more. While I was sitting there talking to Tess, I was thinking about how I always say, you know, when you give back, it always is selfish. You feel so good inside, right? Whenever you do something for someone because you want to do it, not out of guilt, Wow, that feeling so warm and tingly. This woman must be feeling warm and tingly all the time. I can't even imagine how many smiles she's put on people's faces and the sacrifices that she's taken and the hills and the valleys and the ups and downs. It's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, am I doing enough? Which I know I do stuff, but still in all, you can always do more. You can always reach higher. You can always go beyond what you think is possible. And the things that she is going after, ooh, they're big. But I just know she's going to hit them. I want you, while you're listening to this, to think about things that you would like to do. For yourself, for others, it doesn't matter. That, you know, maybe everybody's saying to you, you're too old, it's too late, how are you going to do that? It just seems crazy. How's that going to be developed? But think about all the things that you would have said that about 20 years ago. Oh my God, they did that, they created that, that person did this. Well, guess what? Everybody has that potential, if you want it. But here's the key. You want to create something out of love. You want to create it because you're passionate about it. It inspires you. It gets you up in the morning and lights your fire to do it. Not because you're sad or you're angry or you feel guilt. And there's plenty of things out there. And if you're not sure of what it is, try a few until something hits. I promise you will find something that wakes you up in the morning and goes, ah, I can't wait to do this. Whether it's your side job, your hustle, or your charity. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Florence Belsky Charitable Foundation, which was founded in 2003 by Florence Belsky, a pioneer, attorney, mentor to many, and positive aging activist. The Foundation's main programs are First Mondays, Women Who Lunch, and Pick Three, a virtual mentoring program which connects advisors. The Foundation has over a 1,000 global advisors of all ages and has hubs in all major U.S. cities, as well as international cities all over the world. The Foundation has been developing virtual resources to help people during the current pandemic on its website, www.flowbellangels.org. The latest program is a virtual woman's network called Women Who Lunch 2.0. For more info on that, see www.flowbell.org. Okay, I'm sitting here. I have chills after stalking her online and researching what she did. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could fly to LA and just have some tea or wine with her. But let me tell you about it first. This is the Tess Cacciatore. She's a journalist. Mm. I'm going to take a deep breath in because she's done so much with her life. It's unbelievable. Tess is an award-winning producer, best-selling author, and the CEO, which this is fascinating, founder of Global Women's Empowerment Network, otherwise known as GWEN. 
Her mission is to transform lives through the power of storytelling, which you know I love stories, and to offer a platform to all who are ready to share their story for healing. Mm. Hashtag reveal to heal. Oh, that's awesome. Is part of our mission and vision. Once we reveal what has held us back, we're ready to step forward to a new way of living. Tess, I am honored. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet. So we start off the show by asking what word best describes how you felt in the past 30 days. I love words. Words are my thing. Every day I wake up and I say, how do I want to show up in the world? And words pop in my head. It could be pure joy. could be peace. Hell, just get me through. You know what I mean? (laughs) All of the above. Right. But. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you picked such a crazy 30 days. They've been all over the place. But the word that most comes to mind to describe your past 30 days. Surrender. Oh. I had a thousand words in my head, but surrender just came out. And, you know, I think we're all in that mode of surrendering. We're surrendering to our environment, our home, our families, our dogs and cats and neighbors and being sequestered and I think we just need to surrender and and uh that life take its course in a way you know everyone says you must hear the same words over and over again I don't I've never heard surrender during this whole time I've heard peace a lot (laughs) give me peace (laughs) so I want you to just explain a little bit more what you mean by surrender, like accepting what's going out in the world and what you can't change and when you can. Like, just let's dive into a little bit because we haven't heard that before. Okay. So to me, surrender is a very powerful word. It sounds like in some instances that you're giving in or giving up on something. But to me, it's a place of going to that place of, of peace and serenity because you're surrendering to your surroundings to get to that place inner knowing and inner glowing of having peace in your heart. So for me, Ah. it's surrendering through the anxieties that are out there and the fears that are running amok and the current tensions with all the stuff with the elections coming up and COVID and, you know, who's what, where, when, why. And, (laughs) you know, my big expression is I believe everything and nothing at all because there's so many truths out there and so many non-truths and there's the darks and the shadows and everything. We're in a big transformational uh, chasm of like everything is like funneling so fast and time is going fast and I hear often and I say this often is like what day is it yeah. <laughs> oh it's Thursday because I hear the gardeners outside you know yeah. the trash <laughs> is coming oh my god the trash is coming it's Monday night I gotta take the trash out and so we're marking our time in very different ways and I think we're preparing ourselves for something that's evolutionary and and much needed after long, long centuries of this transformation on their planet that is really about bringing light into the world Mm. and to surrender to that and to bring more light into our lives so that we open up ourselves and become this vessel of bigger light so we can love ourselves more and therefore love our neighbors and therefore, you know, get through this crazy stuff that we're going through. You know... Tess, you're touching my heart there because I had a neighbor said, Sandy, you know, I know you believe in all this universe crap and help the world. She's like, but did we have to go through such a big election at the same time? We have a pandemic. Come on. It's a little tough. And the fires and the hurricanes and the storms and the locusts in Africa and the (laughs) hornet bees that are murdering hornets and all kinds of stuff people are going oh my god it's the book of revelations (laughs) yeah and the lantern bugs i have eaten my trees they tell me i have to you should see me i'm supposed to kill these bugs because they kill everything i'm like oh my god i don't want to kill it my son's like kill it mom kill it i'm like no and (laughs) all right so you being a journalist then are you doing mostly your work from home yes i am uh i decided to keep our brand out there and keep the conversation going. So all summer long, we've been doing online workshops for Reveal to Heal. I have continued, I did a, what was supposed to be a one episode of Gwen Talks turned into a four part summer series. And then I couldn't leave the the summer without having this fifth episode, which I did last week called Sage, which is um, sassy, ageless gals extraordinaire. And they were all my dear friends in their 
80s. And no. it was a blast. I had oh. two women that couldn't get on for technology problems. But yes, that's I'm getting ready problem, to edit yeah. that show and put it up there. And I have to share it with you to share with your audience because it was a gas. Not only was it poignant and these women offered such sage advice, but they were sassy and... Oh my God, if I could tell you some of the scene, the, the, the comments behind the scenes, it was so much fun. I want those comments. I mean, I would oh, I have them recorded. I'm telling them I'm putting them out there. Oh my God. What an amazing idea. I would I can't wait to hear it. I yeah, I want to do more of these episodes for the Grunt uh, Talk series. So, uh, you know, I have crazy. my friend Sue, who's 90, but she couldn't get on. There was technology problems. She's in an, an assisted living situation and, you know, no one can come in to see her. So I had one of the uh, caretakers come in and help her get on Zoom. And we, we got her on. I could hear her, but she couldn't hear me. Uh. So... And then there's another lady, Bonnie Bishop from Friends of Africa, who still in her 80s goes to Kenya and does work with, you know, the Maasai tribe and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I just love these ladies. They're just an inspiration. So, yeah. So I've been relevantly sitting at my computer doing things like what you're doing. Well, you know what? This is crazy awesome. Like, I don't, I don't know how you came up with the word sage for it, but... Woo-hoo. <laughs> well, I thought that they are the sage, they're the wisdom keepers, and sage oh, no. to me is that it's sexy. Oh my god, it's it's just ingenious. I just shows how connected <laughs> you so are. So I'm All so right. excited that I I want to do more of these, you know. Yeah. So and they uh-huh. want to as well. So there might be yeah. a series in the works because I hear so many people that come on and say, Sandy, the ones that are older, like even just older than fifty, which I can't even believe they say this. They say I don't feel heard. And I don't feel seen. And it makes me so sad, you know? I mean. Yeah, they deserve to be heard, seen, celebrated, joyously, like on pedestals. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. So I have to ask you about this. I hope you don't mind, but I can't wait. I ordered the book. I wish it was here. I'm doing my research. Homeless to the freaking White House. She has a book out called Homeless to the White House. It came out. How like Homeless to the freaking White House. That would be kind of an interesting (laughs) retitle. (laughs) I don't want to change it in case they search it on Amazon. Homeless (laughs) to the White House. And so then I had to do more research. That's a whole five-hour podcast, young lady. I was like, oh, my God. So let's just dive in to the beginning of why you became a journalist and why you put yourself in such harm's way. I mean, you should see what this woman has done. I mean, I think you had bullets at you, right? Not necessarily bullets, but the bullets were inside the guns, I imagine, because they were pointed at me. And I can't imagine <laughs> the soldiers were walking around with <laughs> bulletless guns. I wish they would. That, that came to your head, so that's good. <laughs> yes. Um, the journalist side of me came... Um, kind of organically over the years, I, you know, I started off as a dancer and a performer and an actress and I went, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm a dance major. That's what I went to school. Oh my God. I was a dance major too. (gasps) Where'd you go to school? I went to Montclair, New Jersey because I had to go. I thought I was really good. I wasn't Tess. Let's just keep that in mind. I thought I was going to make it on Broadway. So I wanted to be at a college that was near New York City. I, I wasn't not good, but there was, you know, I wasn't like Broadway material. But go ahead, anyhow. Tell oh me my more. God! Well, I lived in New York, and I and I danced on Broadway, not on Broadway in a Broadway show, Seventy <laughs> Second yeah. and Broadway, the Gregory Hines Theater. Um, I did off Broadway. I did music videos. I did, you know, <sighs> did all that kind of stuff. But um, the dance background, you know, I it's it's the core of who I am. In fact, I just got a, a text message today to do a Zoom. Uh, dance class on Saturdays with one of these dance teachers out of New York, which I'll have to send the link to you because, you know, zoom away. We need to keep our dancing toes on. Anything but ballet. (laughs) Oh my God. Let's not even talk about point. I did point until I couldn't even take it anymore, but I'm, I'm more of a modern contemporary African. uh, I took African dance from Gregory Hines studios. No, you didn't. So did I love it. That's my peeps. Oh, my God. Baby, mm-hmm. we were in the same class. We'll have to compare notes. All right. So, go ahead. I'm listening. I don't anyway, know how I started off, I, yeah, I started off in, in that world. But very early on, when I lived in New York, I had the 
the joy of many things. I mean, I, I hit the ground running in New York. I was very blessed. I had a record contract signed with CBS Records. I was mm -hmm. touring around an all-girl group. And um, wow. And I co-hosted and co-produced a talk show called That's Showbiz. And we got to interview people like Eartha Kitt and George, Cur George Kirby and um, Helen, oh my God, uh, Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller's parents, and so many, so many, so much fun. So when I got into that world and I loved the, the interview process and, and I got really curious about culture and the global world and how it all connected, I kind of just slid into it organically and all of a sudden I would find myself, you know, UN accredited media consultant or whatever I was, a media journalist, and then I would go to different UN events around the world, specifically in Africa starting in 2000 and started mm -hmm. covering the World Conference Against Racism in 2001, and then uh, 2002 was World Summit on Sustainable Development, and etc. And when you read that part in my book, you're going to see this whole journey that I did when I, um, I mean, it sounds so wild when I think about it, but I got invited. <laughs> so I'm down in South Africa, and I get invited by the attorney who handles the um, King Goodwill's estate and his family. And King Goodwill is the king of the Zulus. And they invited me to come to Zululand to film. And they've never invited a, a filmmaker or any journalist into their kingdom before. This was the first year. And they only let five of us in there. And I was the only woman. And I got to go and live in the palace of the second queen. And that's a whole other story you'll find about in the book. And I, I filmed the reed dance. There was 26,000 topless virgins oh dancing for the king. It was like National Geographic. And I told the family I would keep that footage sacred and I still have it and I have not released it. They said, just give us five years and I've given them like 20 years. So it will be coming out mm -hmm. one of these days when I can put the video version of my book together. It's just a huge undertaking because there's over 200 hours of footage that the world has never seen. Wow. But because of going there and seeing this extraordinary experience, like seeing they, they walk with these 30-foot um, reeds, you know, from the grass. So if yeah, you can yeah. imagine 26,000 tall 30-feet reeds walking up the hill to the, to the door of the king, and then the first daughter gives him the reed and he cracks it, and when he cracks it, the whole celebration begins. And it's a three-day affair where in the, in the history of it, they used to dance for the king, topless from the different tribes, and he would choose his wives. But King Goodwill already had his five wives. And there's a beautiful story I explain in the book about how he chose them. They're all highly powerful, educated women. And I knew the second queen, who was supposed to be the first wife, but she wanted to go get an education, so she kind of pushed her best friend forward to be the first wife. Mm -hmm. And so because of this whole beautiful experience, I got delayed and then ended up going on Virgin Airlines through London, and I was supposed to already be home by now, but in that plane ride, I was turned around halfway through the flight from, from London to LA. It was a direct flight. I was so exhausted from being in Africa for a month at that time, and filming and running and gunning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. By the time we landed in London, they finally told us that we were over New York at the time of the 9-11 bombing. Oh, God. So I was oh. I was refuged in London for about ten days. Oh my god! Um, right after nine eleven. So thank God I knew somebody in London, and and it's just a whole crazy maze of how I was able to reach him and his wife, and how um, they took me in. And so mm. that's just one adventure. But then I hit the streets with my. I took the tube into the city, went to Buckingham Palace, and met all these people from around the world. And it was just a really you know, horrific global time, kind of like right now. Yeah. And so my curiosity yeah. for the human spirit, my my desire to bridge cultures and hear the stories of people is the reason why, you know, I love being a journalist, even though I never went to journalism school per se, I kind of like became a journalist in life. Yeah. So, okay. Well, all those are, like you said, they're all a story within a story. And what a fascinating life you have led or still leading, I'm sure. Still leading. So, I'm only, you know, 
I've yeah. got a lot of time to go. Still. That's why I said still leading. Yeah, tons, tons, and tons. I can't wait to see what else you're going to do. But all right, so how does homeless work in there? So homeless works in there, and it kind of ties into the White House. So my book opens up um, with me in Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I was filming the life story of a man who found me through my documentarian work and he wanted to do his life story because he wanted to move from Belgium back to his home country of Congo and run for president. And he told me this insane story that I said, oh my God, this is like a movie. He said, that's mm -hmm. exactly what I thought and you can read about it in the book, but it's crazy. So I ended up meeting him in Ghana, which is like my second home. Then I went to Angola. Then I went to Ethiopia. And I, and I went into Congo by myself because he wasn't allowed to go in there because he would have been assassinated. So I went undercover. Uh -huh. And all this time, I thought I was going for like six days. And I ended up being on the road for two months. And there's a long story that is really about how we as people, but particularly women, we need to put our oxygen mask on ourselves and take care. And it's a lesson that I... I'm still learning, you know, <laughs> because mm -hmm. we're in life. So we're always learning our lessons. And basically, he didn't pay me Ooh. the whole time I was there. Oh, and he kept promising, oh, this diamond deal is going to go through. Oh, the diamond deal is going to go through. And, and when I sat down to write the book, I thought, isn't that interesting? Because diamonds are measured by carrots. And carrots, he was dangling yeah, you know, yeah. so I found all these metaphors and these these uh, kind of things that kind of faced me. But when I came back, what was facing me was that I was two months late on on my my apartment, and I was late for my car. And my friend just said, "Just put your stuff in storage and come, you know, stay with me for a while." You know, she had a, a early diagnosis of her son who had autism. So I helped her with her website to start this business that's flourishing. We rock the kids spectrum. Um, we rock the spectrum kids gym is a beautiful global brand now. And I helped her in the very beginning stages mm -hmm. and Dina and Tim gracefully took me in and I became their family chef and I helped a lot at the gym and blah, blah, blah. And then it began a journey of, I just couldn't get on my feet for some reason. It just, I was tumbling around and I moved 12 times in 17 months. I was mm -hmm. without a home. Um, and a lot of people say, well, that's not really truly homeless. You're not on the streets. You didn't live in your car and all that stuff. And I, I represent a fringe world of homeless. There's a lot. There's millions of people that are in this situation. Yeah. And ironically, a lot of women that are like in the middle age category and a yeah. lot of teens that are that are into homelessness. And so for whatever reason. So I became very passionate about the homeless community. Um, I was without a home. And then came in, coming out of that was my, the reason why I went to Congo and I got behind this man is because I said, if you become president, you need to change the laws in Eastern Congo because the women and children are brutally attacked and raped on a daily, daily basis. Mm -hmm. I'm talking brutal. And it's yeah. because of the Colton, the blood Colton and Colton is a mineral that grows proficiently in Congo. And it's, it's being, uh, traded by our major countries and conglomerates around the world. It's a high-value mineral because it helps run our computers and our telephones. And gotcha. so I said, you have to change the laws in Eastern Congo if you become. And he said, not if, when, and I will do that. Now, he didn't become president, obviously. Kabila, yeah. you know, recently, you know, that whole thing, the Congo political background, which you'll see in the book as well is pretty intense. It's like watch, watching a Shakespearean novel come to life, you know, <laughs> right before yeah. your eyes. Huh. So I became homeless. And then while I was homeless, I was working for, um, I'm not working, I volunteered uh, with one of the Jewish organizations. And we all traveled as delegates to the White House. And we went to Capitol Hill. And we went from, from congressperson to senator and talked to them about changing the SEC uh, rules and regulations to, to um, Ms. Shapiro. And we put, I became one of the delegates that told the story because I think at that point I was the only one in the delegation that had actually been to Congo and witnessed all this personally. And, you know, when I was filming, I had a, a military guy come after me in the car and put a gun, you know, 
towards my car. You know, I, I was I wasn't driving. I yelled to the driver, yeah. "Run, run!" So my book opens up basically with a military person in the Congo with a gun pointed at me, and um, that's basically the, the the connection between being homeless and the White House. Even though I was homeless, I didn't want to stop my mission of really standing up for these women and children that are brutally attacked because oh, of a mineral. You know what? I'm sitting here and I'm thinking. You know, we. I'm getting like chills listening to it, but it must have been just so life changing to see it. Like, I just can't even imagine, you know, like what it felt like to be in it and witnessing all that. I mean, were you the whole time documenting it and journaling? Yeah, I have a lot of footage there. And I really basically traveled the storyboard of this man's life that he told me, like he was supposedly kidnapped, um, off the street at a gas station across from the athletic club. And then he was thrown in prison. Then he went on a hunger strike and then he got thrown into the hospital. And then from the hospital, he was taken from the military and out to the, out to the fields to be assassinated. And it's a whole crazy story. When he told me, I was sitting, I'll never forget. I was sitting on my bed looking in, you know, onto the FaceTime um, or Facebook, you know, messaging that we were talking on. And I was like, Holy heck, this is like a big, you know, major, feature film and so that's how I got attracted to the story and then I got dangled down the carrot down the rabbit hole um you know to go after that dream to really feel like if if me little old me you know growing up (laughs) in Des Moines Iowa could be a producer in Hollywood could actually change you know and tell a story it's all about our storytelling right to tell a story of a man who was passionate enough to leave his successful business in Belgium and go back to his country and help them. Now, would I like to believe that that's his altruistic nature and who he is? I'd love to believe that. But the fact that he um, didn't pay me, didn't pay a lot of people, he scorned a lot of people along the way and became very corrupt. Um, You know, I like to see the good in everybody, but it, (laughs) it was my discerning factor to really say, okay, what can I do to watch for those signs before I get in there? And sometimes I just don't. I follow my heart and I get myself in a pickle jar, as I say. And I'm like, here I am. And I feel divinely protected. So (laughs) please let my angels stay around me at all times. Because you never know what I might just end up doing. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe no matter what, you would have seen any signs. You know, I don't know. Because maybe no matter what, you were supposed to go through all that. But. I definitely was because to yeah. be able to be on the fringe and I'll, I'll never forget I had I gave away all my belongings I had a small little storage unit and I was driving my car and it was in Tarzana with one of the places as I said I moved 12 times but I one of the places I was in Tarzana and I saw this man sleeping on the street you don't see many homeless people over there but I've since then gotten really involved with homeless issues and I've gone down to Skid Row and I do a lot of volunteer work down there we do workshops mm-hmm. for teenage girls and I just did a workshop a few weeks ago with the homeless women at the Hope Garden Shelter. And um, and it really opened my heart and eyes in a way that, like, wow. You know, and then you look under the hood of their lives and you always get to say, you know, I have my situation, but there's always somebody that has it more challenging and more awesome. worse. And I'm so privileged to be able to be able to be in service. And that's what I want to do is wake up every day and be in service. Well, I'm looking at this Gwen network. Is this, this whole story, is that what inspired you to create this network? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, Back in 95, when I was, t- I came, I was from the entertainment industry all through my 20s. And then in 95, 93, actually, I got brought into the technology world. It was still, you know, just very, very new, even though the Internet existed far before that. This is when websites started getting built and people were going, what's an email? And uh, I was in the forefront of that. I was, I had an agent. I was a producer in that world, um, which I was really blessed because I got to, you know, help build brands to be present on the internet and I used to go to all the conferences and began to like um, join groups like you know women in technology and I'm still great great friends with all these women that have really started out and were all the pioneers back in the 90s and I saw very early on streaming platforms and um, virtual classrooms and connectivity and I thought this is really important 
evolutionary transition in our world. And so in 95, I wrote the 75-page business plan, which is really what Gwen is today. I saw the vision of the virtual classroom and streaming platforms, and I worked and worked and worked throughout, and people were looking at me like I was cuckoo bird. But in 2001, um, leading up to the time when I went to, to South Africa, I produced a two-hour live broadcast, which had never been done out of the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. And um, I connected the indigenous leaders from North and South America. They, they had the indigenous peoples, Summit of the America, mm-hmm. um, in Ottawa, Canada, and then the Subcommission for Human Rights in August in, in uh, the UN, which I had done. I went there twice a year, three times a year to Geneva. So we produced a two-hour live broadcast so they could get on board together because all the indigenous tribes were very segregated at the time. And I thought, what if technology could bring them together and they could go to the World Conference Against Racism as a unified voice? Mm. And they loved the program. I pitched it to the First Nations. They paid for the program. I produced the event from L.A., getting it all together. Then I had a team in Ottawa, and I went to Geneva. And it was so exciting to be able to successfully have this live stream work. We were all holding our breath for the two hours. And I followed them down to Johannesburg and... And that's, you know, that's the whole story that led up to the story I told before that I was really down there to be able to follow the indigenous nations and make sure that their, their world was documented of what they were doing and the panels that they were working on to bring attention to their unified voice of what they needed to have for human rights in their world. So what in just because a lot of people aren't familiar with this out there, what is your goal with the Global Women's Empowerment Network? Well, that's a great question, Sandy, because I, you know, I, I think goal setting is really important. And, and I try to, to do that where I'm, I'm writing the goals of what we want to do and all this kind of stuff. But I think just really staying focused on the mission of transforming lives with the power of storytelling is really the goal is really yeah, to offer it. a platform and, and what's happening next phase with, with the, um, with the funding that's coming in is that we're going to build a platform that's bigger than just the website. And we'll have the ability to have our TV shows and our documentaries and our films and, and invite all people of social impact content creators to be a part of this. And we're going to be on Roku and Apple TV and Amazon Fire. We already have that direction going. We already have the, the foundation for that. But I want to be able to offer a place where people can share their stories. Because everyone, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone, no matter you walk into a room, you see a grocery clerk, you see a bus driver, you see the guy that collects our garbage. Everyone has a story, where they came mm-hmm. from, what's holding them back. Did they... Did they have that abuse? Were they teased? Were they and they buried those those stories inside of them? I think the more that we get to uh, unveil that and reveal that, we get to heal. And then working with children is really important to me because I want to empower them to know their value and their true essence mm-hmm. of their beauty. Because when they hear, you know, a parent that doesn't know better or a grandparent or a sibling or a classmate say something cruel to them, it doesn't stick inside them. It just, it, 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 they let it go and they believe in themselves and they have that self-love because then when they grow up, I truly believe that their, their, their whole beingness will be so healed that they won't recycle the abuse. Because we have generations of recycled abuse that just trickles down, trickles down, trickles down. So my goal, mm-hmm. I guess if I can put that, is is to have humanity healed so we don't have any room for yeah, anything yeah. more than just love. You know what? I'm so happy to hear you say that goal. And it's a big one. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it because... I was interviewing uh, a gentleman a couple years ago, and afterwards people slammed me because he's, I said, what is your you know, mission? What is your goal? He says, to stop war. And people are like, Sandy, what? he really meant it. Do you know what I mean? Like he, it's a big goal. You know, he wants to end war, but whatever he can do to create peace, and this was an ex-soldier, he was going after. And, and you have to have those big goals. And I know you're going to make a huge dent. I have no doubt in my freaking mind. All right, so... 
I love that. Thank you. Because it is a big goal. And I think that people, you know, I hope they don't slam me for my big goal because it's no. my goal, not yours. And yeah. you're going to join in because you share love every day, the way yeah, the yeah. work you do. Yeah, so we're going to yeah. do it together. That's what I say. Yeah. If yeah. anybody out there slams me or you, we want to invite them on board with us because we can't do it alone. Absolutely. Everybody. So let's build a, an yeah, army yeah. of people that are in love with their story and they're in love with themselves. You know, my whole life, people keep saying to me, even when I was a kid, Sandy, you're living in a world of rose colored glasses. Oh, you know, you don't realize all the negativity in the world. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, why, you know, be, and even to this day, friends and family will be like, Sandy, what, what world? And you, I thought by the age of 60, you think they would stop it. I mean, it's, it's been working for me, you know? Well, I, want, I think we do see what's out there, but yeah. we see an alternative way of it being, yes. you yes. know, because why can't we be hopeful? Mm. You know, because, you know, because I don't want to live in fear. It just, yes. it just doesn't feel good in my body. I don't mm. want to live in anxiety. It wreaks havoc on my you know, it wreaks havoc on us. And so there's so much fear and anxiety that if we can't just take an exhale and really breathe deep and, and, and try to be harmonic within ourselves, I don't know how we're going to get through this crazy stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you know, some people, I have my, my rose colored glasses and my beat to my own drummer, which my mother (laughs) always said is always going to be the essence of me, but it doesn't mean that I don't have my eyes wide open. I'm looking left and right and up and down going, this is, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. And so how can we get through it? How can we manage it? How can we obtain our authentic selves and not get lost in the stories and the fear? Well, you more than anyone, I mean, you went through it, lived it, saw it. And if you can still come out, you know, with, thinking, hey, there's a better way, you know, keep positive, hopeful. I mean, you're not living in your little, you know, apartment house somewhere, not aware of the world. You were in the thick of things, Des, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. And I've also made some, you know, not so wise choices. I think all of my choices have brought me to where I am now. So I don't have any regrets that way, you know, but I didn't make some wise choices of partners that I chose. And I've had men in my past relationships that were totally abusive to me. Mm-hmm. And that is instead of me crumbling up in a corner and not being able to survive, I've had to put that armor on even tougher to say, listen, this is my story. I'm vulnerable enough to share it. And you'll see that, you know, that book, you know, I kind of go, oh my God, <laughs> I would never regret putting it out there because there's so much about me. I'm an open book, literally. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the down and dirty and the choices that I made that I wish I would have gone a different way. But, you know, what's wishing going to do? It's going to do anything but frustrate you. So you have to go, okay, that experience was what I needed to have to go yeah. through this. And that's why I'm so dedicated to people, you know people that have gone through this and I always say we do Gwen with the men right now there's been such a pendulum shift of women empowerment which I'm so grateful for and we also get to celebrate the wonderful men that are in our lives which I have many and we get to celebrate to work in tandem with the men in our lives and so I always say we do Gwen with the men well you know what I'm now I'm going to be waiting like Every day, did Amazon bring it? I think it's supposed to be here tonight. But I'm I hear it's a fast read, so hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But um, I normally, like, I'll get into it, you know, and then I'll really visualize it. But, you know. Oh, oh, let me tell you a really fun thing that I did with my book, and I'm really excited about this. And not very many people pick up on it. So what I did, because music is such a huge part of my life, on the audio book, which is coming out soon, and in the printed book which you're getting you'll see a little asterisk and i'll say soundcloud now i have soundcloud homeless to the white house channel and it has like 52 songs on it and some people that have realized it they actually stop and listen to the songs these these are songs that i've either written and produced or songs that impacted and made me think about different chapters of my life and so Ah. it's really fun it's kind of an interactive experience because i always like to think interactively so I put that together, and then I found out um, Michelle Obama, love her, um, she put out a book with the soundtrack on SoundCloud, too. But it was after me, I just have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm 
making me laugh because <laughs> we have to laugh, right? I, I mean, I'm I, not comparing I, myself to Michelle Obama. No, 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 no but, but, but I had to be funny about that. No, so in 2018, I came out with my book. It's called Train Your Head and Your Body Will Follow, all right? It's not about me. We don't need to get into it. But then there was a follow-up, and so it was a journal that came out and uh, in 2019. And so... My mother-in-law for Christmas, she said, I thought you would like this. And she gave me Michelle Obama's journal. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally different. And I love it. But it was just like, really? The same year? Come on, Michelle. You know? I <laughs> know. Like, really? We, we, have have to have a, we have to have a sit down with her and tell her yeah, what yeah. is she doing. Yeah. But I love her, too. All right. So the app. I've had so many questions. I told you. I asked people, what do you want to know about? And when they looked you up, there's an alert app on Gwent. So they want to know everything about it, how you came up with it, who can get it, uh, how does it reach, how does it work? I mean, it went on and on with the curiosity. So I hope you don't mind sharing that, Tess. I love sharing about the Gwent alert because it's one of my proudest um, inspirations, I should say. So back in 2012, I had lunch with a friend and we were talking about safety. And she said, you should talk to my friend Brad Zutat. And, um, and we're going to, you know, you should meet. And Brad and I met, and it was just a connect the mind, technology, mind meld. And we sat out with a, a pad and drew all the things that we wanted on the Gwen Alert. And he built it for me. And his, um, some of his staff actually volunteered some of their time because one of the men that is a programmer out of Russia, he experienced his, his mom who raised him single-handedly. He had, I think he had a couple of siblings too, but she, was, she left her, his father because of domestic violence. And so he volunteered his time to build this app. So the love that went into this was really great. So version one had a meditation music channel to promote our music artist, and it had you know, all the different features, etc. So we did that from 2012. It won a Mobile Excellence Award right away out of the gate, which I'm very proud of. Um, and then fast forward to the present day, we had always from the very beginning wanted to have video surveillance because, you know, of, of what's going on, but the technology wasn't available then. So now, okay. two years ago, we started to develop the technology site. So right now you can download it. We've kept it for free for everybody to do. So go to your smartphone app store and put in Gwen Alert. Okay. And you download it and you register. So you log in and then you choose five people out of your contact list in your phone. It could be your mother, your father, your brother, your husband, your sister, your best friends, up to five. And those become your Gwen Five. And this is really <gasps> important because the Gwen Five are part of your, your Gwen Five. So there's several different buttons on it. If you go to the app store and you download it, you're going to see um, it looks like a lotus flower. And then um, there's a record button. So if you're walking to your car late at night or if you're in a strange area or, you know, in these days and age, you can be, you know, anywhere and you might feel unsafe. You push the record button and it video surveillances your area until you get to your car, your home, your safe place. Then you, we, we require you, we request that you delete the video so it doesn't go to the cloud. Because one of the things that's special about our video surveillance is that it's not on your phone. So if you're in a domestic violent relationship and your surveillance, your husband, your spouse, your whatever, tries to find the video to destroy your phone, they can destroy your phone all you want, but it's on our cloud and it's safe. Then we have the non-emergency Gwen text message called Send5. And that means, hey, I'm just landed. I'm on my business trip or I'm on vacation. This is where I'm staying. Or I'm on a blind date or whatever. Obviously, with COVID, you know, we're not going out much. But still, I know people are still going on dates and yeah, blind yeah, dates yeah. at parks and stuff like that. So it's still relevant. And then there's a call 911 button. And then there's a big green, beautiful notice that says emergency Gwen 5. If you push that, it sends a GPS location, instant text message to your Gwen 5 saying, Sandy's in trouble. She needs your help. And then it gives the coordinates. Wow. Where you are. And so then they can call 911. They can come and save help for you. And I have a whole channel on our YouTube. If you go to YouTube and go Gwen Global, there's a whole Gwen alert channel, a playlist of videos that I produced that range from the things that we feel it's appropriate for. There's domestic violence, there's campus <sighs> safety, there's natural disasters. Because mm -hmm. you imagine 
with these earthquakes and hurricanes and then you say my I know my relative was here but if you have a pre-ping you know for sure exactly where your relative would be so if you know there's the lost people there's hate crimes uh, we're getting ready to film a PSA for real estate agents because they have to often go out by themselves. So next week we're going to be filming that. We have a Spanish oh, version, so we're bringing it into Argentina and South America. And we're also working with um, some of our partners down in Nigeria. We, we're waiting for our NGO status for Gwen Global Africa. And there's a whole story. I know we're running close to the hour soon, but um, we're bringing it down to Africa as well. So it's a global app. Um, if we could get to Google or... Um, Apple and get them to let us do up to five text messages, we would mm -hmm. have it a lot easier getting it on the stores globally. But our dedication is to allow for it to be free so anybody can download it. So yeah. right now, anybody who's listening, please share it with your friends and make them a Gwen 5 and keep it going because it's really... You know, Brad and I's gift to the world to be able to stay mm. connected to our family and friends with the safety in the palm of your hands. So... Are you are you a tech geek too? I understand technology because I was brought into technology in '93, as I mentioned earlier, kind of kicking yeah. and screaming. So, as a producer brain, I had to learn how to communicate to the to the tech teams and the programmers, and then I had to deal with the client, and then I had to deal with the creative team. So, the branding and the creative of the website to the client had to make them happy. And then I had to, mm -hmm. I, I worked for InfoStreet for a while, and that was a database driven um, company. So, I had to learn a lot about how to language and how to talk to programmers. And I love, I love that side of the brain working. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a tech geek girl, but I can, <laughs> I, I can do, I can do light HTML, but people that are real programmers, they're laughing like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, I, I'm not, not a programmer. Yeah, I'm not a programmer, but I can talk enough um, to the programmers to get across, like like to Brad, who's brilliant. He does a lot of high security stuff. Um, you know, I just say this is what we want it to do, and and he goes, I know exactly how to do that. So it's just you know, I'm interested in technology because it's where we're going, but I'm yeah, not yeah. a programmer. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? You're like you said, we could talk for hours and hours. I mean, you just so have so many fascinating stories, but hopefully a lot of them will be in your book. Oh, they'll all I, be in the book. Yeah. And I know how much of the white house on Amazon, or I think, uh, Barnes and Noble too on the website. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be able to fill in the gaps. And as far as the show, I always tell the people, you know, it's to inspire and spread pure joy. I think we're doing that, but I want to get into some of your tips because Ooh, your life is amazing and what you're doing, but my listeners, they want to be inspired, like how to do more, you know, how can they contribute? How can they help more? And I want to go through some of this. So like your first one, truly love yourself. I mean, that's a, that's a big one, man. Yeah, I think that's the cornerstone. I mean, I know I turned my tips in late and, and they just kind of flooded in my early morning meditation this morning, but it really is the cornerstone of how I think that we could live our lives because if we truly love ourselves, then we have the essence of whatever we call our God, our spirituality, our universe, yeah. our source, our faith, you know, that's connected to that. That's what that's who we are in our essence. So if we truly love ourselves, then we're honoring the source, the universe, God, you know, whatever you, Buddha, whatever yeah. you believe in. Yeah. And so with that, you, you walk in the world in a different, from a different framing point, a different optic, because you're not going out there in arrogant ego. I love myself. I'm better than anyone else. It's really about being more humbled and knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm grand and I'm small and I'm, yeah. and I'm beautiful and I'm, whatever, you know, just to be able to really fall in love with ourselves. So we are knowing how we show up in the world, how we love other people, and how we are requesting to be treated, which breaks that cycle of abuse that I'm so passionate about. Yeah. And one of my um, listeners yesterday was, you know, saying to me, Sandy, I know I'm supposed to love myself, but I constantly feel bad or guilty or judge what I've done. Like, even though, you know, I can't go back and redo it. Do you have anything, you know, that you say to yourself? Because everybody gets like that, you know, you feel guilty, you judge. Like, what do you do in those circumstances? Oh, my gosh. We're all so guilty of being guilty of being guilty, right? It's just a weird cycle. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, just like how is how is that to hold us back? So um, there's several people that have you know done exercises. You know, some people say what helps is to look in the mirror and really truly. We did a beautiful workshop with these women, and um, it's actually turning into something bigger. And where we had all the women just look at themselves in the mirror, and we had a specific mm -hmm. song for them to listen to, and they looked at themselves until they could really see themselves. And then we had them say, I am, and fill in the blank with that word. Ooh, that's big. And um, it's really a deep practice because how often, you know, we might glance at ourselves in the mirror or do our makeup and brush our teeth in the morning or whatever, but how often do we truly look at ourselves mm -hmm. and really dive into our soul and our heart essence? So that's one thing. And then for Forgive ourselves for gosh sakes. Oh my God. We're all so hard on ourselves. Forgive ourselves that we have a little extra bobble and bit on our body or that we have an extra wrinkle that we didn't want to have <laughs> that came along two days ago. Um, you know, it's, it's just that we're, life is too hard to not yeah, just yeah. release and forgive ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree. Number two, hmm. discerning who you let in your life. Ugh, that's a big one for me. Oh, I have trouble with that one. I have to admit. Oh my gosh. Well, you and I can have, you know, five lunches on this one. <laughs> I want to see the good in everyone and blah, blah, blah. I know. It, this, the reason why I put this down there is because I'm on a constant basis of my dear friends, you know, and my dear friend and board member, Brenda Brown, she loves when I quote her because she says, one of the best attributes you have and the worst attribute is that you trust too easily. And she mm -hmm. goes, you have to stop trusting people. I'm like, no, I can't stop trusting people. Mm -hmm. But to be discerning is a word that I've been working on for years now is like, because I'm so like excited when I meet somebody and there's this like-minded kind of chemistry and bubbling and all that stuff. And then a lot of times it turns into a joyful, long life friendship yeah, and then yeah. at times it turns into they were trickeries and they were wanting something and their agenda was different than mine and it just wasted a lot of time. That's why the second half of this is time spent cannot be returned. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to put that big with a star right here. All right, and all I'll right. be working on that with you, Sandy, because <laughs> <laughs> we can know, we can say, hey, did you did you because. Brenda always says, we need to vet these people, you know, because they're coming into our organization. She's a board member. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but they seem so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. All right. I love this one. Each conversation and situation leave the person feeling supported, heard, and loved. Mm. Yeah. You know, because especially now, you know, I, I really monitor the conversations that I have, not monitor them and like, you know, oh, you have two minutes to tell your story um, yeah, yeah. because everyone has their fears that are going on about what's happening and, and the, all the stories that are going on, you know, the yeah. all sides. And so this kind of goes before this, you know, situation, but it really is relevant today is that let's support one another. Let's let each other be heard and feel supported and loved because, through that, you get that in return. Yep. And so, and let's be conscious of what we're saying to other people too. How are we burdening other people? Are we constantly, 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 every time you talk to them, just being Debbie Downer and, and fear and, and numbers and statistics and, oh my God, we're going to die of COVID and we're going to be sent to the moon and we're going to blow up in an asteroid. I mean, yeah. we have to really monitor ourselves to see, are we leaving other people feeling supported, heard and loved? Yeah. yeah. It's a two way I, cycle. <laughs> I, my, my friend called, she's like, Sandy, I don't want to hear a lecture. Um, like, don't tell me I was wrong. Her and her husband were different political parties. And she said, I just want you to know that I think anyone that votes for this person, whatever, is just a complete idiot and moron. I go, uh-huh. And so he said, am I an idiot and moron? She's like, well. <laughs> I said, I think you better breathe, stay away, and remind yourself why you love him. She's like, Okay, but it might take two days. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. It was funny. It's only going to heat up more, you know, between yes. now 
so you know <laughs> you better find a way that common value keep our our thoughts private and we get ourselves to the booth and we vote the way we want to and we don't judge one another because whatever's going to happen is going to happen and we're just going to have yes, to live with it I agree. and 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 hopefully not have some kind of crazy backlash of craziness you know i just i keep praying every day just let us be peaceful yep me too me too almost day all right gratitude i love it Gratitude journals, grace, wake up and go to sleep each day with gratitude. Do you like, do you have a certain prayer you say or meditation or journal? What do you do to show or for you to, when you want to show gratitude and grace? Well, I have these strange waking hours. I don't know if you're going through this, but I wake up, my bewitching hour used to be 4 a.m., which is a really quiet meditative time. And now it seems to be around 2, 2.30. So it's getting earlier in the, in the morning. So when Amen, I wake up, friend. yeah, and you know, it's that time of, of life. Um, but I'm, I'm embracing it. I don't, I don't want to take any sleeping aids. I don't want to do anything crazy. I'm not, I'm just enjoying it. When I wake up, I'm like, okay, my body says it needs to be awake. There must be something that I get to explore right now. Okay. And I, and I just kind of, you know, meditate and, and pray and, and inspiration comes to me because it's so quiet. So I often will, you know, do a tagline to a, poem or song or whatever I'm working on. I just use it as a creative quiet time to, to breathe. And I wake up with gratitude and I figure if we wake up with gratitude yeah, and we yeah. go to sleep with gratitude, the moments in between can be, you know, can determine having a joyful life. I, I agree. But I have to tell you, sometimes when I wake up, I'm not always in that space. So I think I'm going to try it a little more. You know, I'm like tossing and turning and my friends are like, just take an edible, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm like, oh, there's like, nothing wrong with any of that, you know. Yeah, but, but like, I'm like, I am thinking I'm just going to breathe, do my ex. But it was true. The same thing. It was like four and now it's 2.30. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what's going on here? So. Well, maybe maybe we're being woken up, you know, from the four o'clock now to the 2.30 club because there's some messages we're supposed to be getting. Ooh. All at the same time. I'm going to tap in. All right. <laughs> last, we'll last call one. it. We'll text each other. Did you get that message? <laughs> yeah. All right. Set your intentions and know that every second offers us the opportunity to be in the present. Set, so go into just a little bit about how you set your intentions. So this is interesting because I wrote you for, and then I had a, a call with my cousin and we were talking about a story of someone in her life and and I was thinking boy oh boy this person is so distracted and keeps herself so busy that she's not really paying attention to the present moment of her husband and her children now everyone's coping mechanisms are very different these days and I'm not judging yeah. it I'm just thinking what a shame that you know she's going to wake up one day and her kids are going to be in college yeah, and so yeah. I just started thinking about that. I thought, well, this might be a good fifth tip because you said between three and five. And I didn't have yeah. that fifth one until now. And I think it's really important that we set our intentions. And that could be part of that when we wake up, we have gratitude. And then we have the intention of the day. Today, my intention is to, um, you know, release and surrender. Today, my intention is to be joyful. Today, my intention is to call five people and tell them I love them. You know, whatever it is that you can spread positivity is really good in this day and age. And so when you do that, you're offering yourself the opportunity to be in the present yourself. Because uh, me, I'm a really futuristic thinker. So I live in the future a lot. I don't mm -hmm. live in the rearview mirror very often. It was really difficult. It took me six years to write my book because I had to be in the past and go yeah. like, where was I? What was I doing? I'm more living in the future. So I've had to pull my reins back and take my horse and calm it down and say, just be present in the moment. And that's been a really big practice. And it's been a really great time during COVID to be able to practice that even more. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap up here. But before we go, the word you had in the past 30 days was surrender. Moving forward, do you want a different word? Or are you going to stay with surrender to embody in the next 30 days? Surrender was my last 30 year, 30 days, 30 years, <laughs> 30 days. Um, I think I want to move that word into receptivity. Oh. And in that, I am opening my arms to the universe to receive joyful love, more self-love, abundance, and finances that are just on the fringe of coming in. So when those finances come in, 
I know that I will be putting them forth in the best, most magnificent way to be able to heal and carry on with my mission so we can build this platform and get people to tell their stories. Awesome. Awesome, Tess. All right, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to say to people? Tell them how they can reach you or any final words, something we didn't get in that you'd like to get in. So you can find me. I'm pretty transparent on Google or all social media. And my name is Tess, T-E-S-S, Cacciatore. And if you have trouble spelling that, just put in Italian chicken dish and you'll see it. (laughs) C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E, as in chicken cacciatore. And also I have a, a cooking blog on Instagram called Kitchen Cacciatore. No. I do. I love to cook. I'm a crazy cook fiend. Um, so Kitchen Cacciatore is just a fun little brand that I've been doing over the last eight years. And I'm still loading up things into that Instagram. But I would love to be, you know, um, you know, <clears throat> reached. You know, I'm very easily reached. And I'd love, you know, for you to like and follow all of our pages because that obviously lifts up the visibility. And it's a place that we get to support one another. Also, you know, just, you know, be aware of what we can do together. I'm really about collaboration and uh, about telling our stories. And right now we have a a spoken word contest for 14 to 22 year olds called Composium. And you can find that out on Instagram called Composium Gwen. So we're, we're just allowing the youth to have their voices heard. Well, Tess Cacciatore, thank you so much. And my Let's Keep It Real people, I think without a doubt, you will say, Sandy, she definitely inspired me and she's spreading pure joy. So go forth, take some of these tips. Maybe just one will resonate with you. But definitely, if one can stand out right now in the next few months, let's do the number three. With each conversation and situation, leave the person feeling supported, heard, and loved. We really are going to need that, peeps. And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.